my those are the complications of um, being a coconut, uh, or being termed as a coconut. Is exactly what I'm saying. Is that um, you know other black people who are still in those settings in the townships, or who have not necessarily um, put it that way, sold out to the whiteness. They don't see you as being black enough, and they, they feel that they have. Uh, some kind of a judgmental right over you. They can demean you, they can talk down on you, they can call you a sellout, they can call you a, uh, a fake, they can call you all kinds of things. That's where the term coconut is coming from. And uh, my attempt with this page is just to actually, I suppose, you know, in terms of my mindset solutions, to de-weaponize the term and to not necessarily paint it off as a negative thing, but actually to show that uh, maybe perhaps coconuts or black people who are living in these white spaces who have uh, who can express themselves well in the language of white people whilst at the same time being black and having black experiences actually probably live in the most ideal world the most realistic world because we are able to bring the two worlds together you know they live within us Unfortunately, at the very same time, also, they create a, a conflict. They tear us apart because you find yourself then torn between the, um, your loyalty to your blackness and, of course, the fact that you know that white life is not as harmful and is not necessarily as um, you know, hateful and aggressive and as, uh, as what... The black person who's an extreme side of blackness experiences it. And the fact, uh, you know, that informs your reasoning is the fact that you've got personal experience with that. Whereas the, uh, a lot of, uh, in, in a country like South Africa, a lot of black people, colored people, Indian people, um, white people don't live together. They don't have those experiences that you've got. And so... We're a very small minority right there in the middle who are actually experiencing the entire South Africa at a stance. You know, we have the black coloreds, the Indian, and the white friends. But we still also are firmly rooted in our blackness in the sense that our families are still in the townships. We still experience and see poverty every day. We still experience and see the, the unfairness of the system and the impact that it has on other people and other people being our people. And being in the, you know, of course, I mean, excuse the term, but white world, you see the uh, the privilege of being in that world because you yourself, you yourself experience that, that privilege. You have the job, you stay in there, you have access to all the infrastructure, you have access to uh, the economy, and you know a lot more than what, um, you know, other people from the extreme side of poverty and disadvantage who are predominantly people who look like you. So you do have compassion and you are broken for them. You know? But at the same time, you cannot wholly and fully subscribe to the mantra of, uh, you know, of hatred and militancy against whiteness. But at the same time, you cannot deny the fact that it does exist. The privilege in that world exists. And of course, privilege predominantly in that world looks a certain way and happens to be in a white melanin or rather you know in, in, in white color so that's the complication the complication of uh, being a 
uh, the word coconut. So my my attempt with this page is actually to uh, deal with that, to de-weaponize the stereotype behind it, and actually to re- to 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 maybe see a lot of positivity in that, because I mean these are the you know if we continue to stereotype uh, coconuts in that sense and ostracize them, especially from the black point of from the black part of you, from the black side. You know, we <laughs> then we cannot subscribe to the ideologies of the um, freedom struggle. We cannot wholly subscribe to the ideologies of the Nelson Mandela's. Then we have to change our. Then maybe the you know the uh, the, ideolo- the ideologies have to change. And if they do change, they're not going to necessarily be very friendly towards unity or any idea of of coming together. But I understand the frustration. Though. I understand the frustration of having been stuck in the same place pre-apartheid and also in the democratic, uh, during apartheid and also during in the democratic dispensation. So the frustration is there that in some of those areas things have gotten worse and they've not gotten better. I mean, as I've been saying, I myself have been struggling to find work, but I'm not the only one. I mean, there are many people, also white people that I, that I know personally, close friends of mine, who are also struggling to find work. And so the economy is in a bad state. But even before that, though, the maladministration and the you know failure on so many levels of the current government to deal with some of those issues means that there's a portion in this population of our country that has remained in that place for a very long time. They've been in that place for a long time, and they don't know what prosperity looks like in apartheid. They don't know what it looks like in democracy. In fact, the prospects of that happening is looking slimmer, you know, slimmer and slimmer, dimmer and dimmer. So I understand the language of frustration that is coming from that side. But at the very same time as well, I do sense the denialism that exists on the other side. Because, uh, you know, I suppose, you know, shame is shame. Many people, many white people don't want to admit the fact that they are privileged and they would say things like they worked hard and nobody denies that they have worked hard it doesn't mean that other black people don't work hard and it's also very difficult to work hard when you don't have an opportunity to work hard it's also very difficult to work hard when your hard work is not measured or is not rewarded on the same scale as you know the work in that in that other um, section the white section and so I do understand the frustration. Um, and at the very same time, I do understand that uh, the denialism is also sustained by the fact that the majority of white South Africa has no clue what it means to be in the, in the same social, economic, you know, negative conditions that the majority of uh, South Africans are especially black and colored South Africans are Indian to an extent but not so much and so for that reason they cannot conceptualize some of the frustrations that they see playing out in the public and they see it from their point of being secure of being stable of having the privilege to think through things properly without the pressures of you know of the stomach without the pressures of the stomach without the pressures of of shelter without the pressures of uh, you know money and whatever else that comes with being in a privileged position at the end of the day 
whether it is the apartheid government that caused and that was a source of poverty in the in those communities or whether it is the lack of uh, the lack of will with the current democratic dispensation under the ANC government it still remains that those people their conditions has have not changed they have not changed and the short-sighted argument that you continue to vote the same government and that's why you're in the same is very short-sighted people are not in the same condition because they've been they've been voting for the same government people are in the same conditions because both sides of the government have failed them and sometimes it is a lot more easier in this particular instance of the south south african context it's a lot easier for black people to continue to black vote for black government i suppose because of the fact that um you know there's a, there's there's a hope of there's a hope when black government is still in power that they'll still make it because then they can see other black people may have that have made it but we know during apartheid there weren't that many black people who made it there were very few in many in very few sections in very few sectors and so it's not just about the fact that we should you know uh yeah it's your fault because you keep on voting for the ANC government um but the thing is that if there's absolutely no evidence of any willingness from uh, again excuse the terminology from the white side to connect whether it be that they get to know about our language whether it be that they get to know more about our culture whether it be that they get to know a little bit more about our daily struggle and express some degree of compassion how do you think that somebody can then believe that by changing the government to a political party that is predominantly white the color that was you know a symbol of oppression or a symbol of the of the shame how do you think that's going to be able to solve it it's not going to solve it and so when people begin to connect more on a on a personal level and people begin to have their own personal experiences shape the way they think and not depend predominantly on the media which is biased and always has an, has an agenda to push or on the um the tantrums or the outbursts of the militants militant, militant people like Julius Malema or um Steve Hofmeier or whoever else that is that is on the extreme on the other extreme side or you know how do you expect how do you expect uh, people can just like get over that and actually go on, go on their own journey and discover what it means to be a south african in the south african context and that the first point of change is on a very personal level first point of change is on the way that they think that if they begin to see the humanity on the other side maybe even as the custodians and as the people that have access to most of the economy they can um you know begin to to see that sometimes lack of output lack of output sometimes by black people is not necessarily because of lack of intellect or lack of uh, 
um, willingness or effort. But it's just that if you are not in a place where you are can be able to fully function, you are not able to operate in your potential. And that is actually to the disadvantage of the many different companies that are in this country which are white-owned. And unless they really come up with a serious plan that can really transform the economic conditions of all South Africans, specifically of those who are who, are, who have not had the opportunity, you know, it is in their own interest to do that. If they don't do that, then you know the future is very bleak. And I think it's already happening that so many companies are closing down because of the lack of economic performance. And part of that is that if you don't give people create an environment where people can really be able to function to their optimal ability and reach their, their potential, you as a company, you miss out on their contribution. You miss out. You miss out on their, on their, on their intellect. You miss out on their creativity. You miss out on the unique talents and gifts that can come out and be able to contribute positively to your profitability, to, to, uh, to your brand, to your, to your uh, reputation as a company and, and all of that. And maybe even sustainability of a company long term. You know, when I think of how many people in this country, not just in this country, but even on the continent of Africa and other places as well, how many geniuses that are that are not found out, that are not discovered? You know, how many talents have not been discovered? How many great minds have not been heard from? How much are we? How much? How much poor are we? Literally, in terms of literature, how much poor are we in terms of uh, you know thinking, in terms of advancements, in terms of technology? Because all of that is locked in many different places where people have no access. You know. And if everybody just used their privilege, you know, and like, like I'm doing now as a black person, but everybody just used their privilege actually to contribute more towards the immediate environment and people around them and spaces around them that needs, that can do with their knowledge and with their advantage. And not everything has to cost money. If everybody just did that, think life would be so much more different in this country. Life would be so much more different in this country. And I think it's just so important for that to happen. Mm. Coconuts understand that. Coconuts have access to all of that information. And maybe it's just high time that we stepped up. The people who actually have access and who are in those spaces that we stepped up and we started using our our minds more and observe more and start to take in more and start to think about solutions more and start worrying and just let go of all the stigmas that are attached to us because of the way we look because of the way we sound the accents we have because of the expectations that have been placed on us because of the boxes that have been put into and all of the negative you know projections mindsets that have been projected towards us we just shake that off and actually realize that we are in the most unique position we have access to the 360 degrees we have in the 360 degree view of south africa we can see everybody from all sides and then if we exercise ourselves a bit more in terms of our thinking and develop ourselves a bit more in terms of our thinking that we do have a unique contribution to our country and maybe maybe just perhaps maybe you know we are the missing link Maybe our contribution is not so powerfully felt because 
whatever side we go to, we, we get we tend to get pushed back, and we tend to at the end of the day, you know, put ourselves in some box, trying to please everybody. At the end of the day, that is our life. That is our narrative. You know, so coconuts, pick up your arms and take your place. The country is waiting for you. <laughs>